Good morning. As you probably heard on Facebook, I have returned uh, from a vacation in North Carolina. And as a result of my vacation and Bill's vacation and the governor's recommendation, we are uh, self-isolating for 14 days and we're about halfway through that. So here I am in a completely empty room. There's someone in the tech room uh, on the camera, but I'm in a completely empty room uh, recording this message for you. And I hope that you are being blessed, that you are enjoying life, and that you are staying healthy right now. I'm excited about this new series of messages on the life of Joseph. Joseph is one of my favorite people in the Old Testament. He is one of the few major characters or people in the Bible who we have no mention of any great sin or character flaw. We have 14 chapters in the book of Genesis written about him with no mention of sin. Now that's not true of Abraham. That's not true of David or Noah or Moses or Paul or Peter. Joseph, Daniel, and Caleb, and maybe a few others in the Bible, are the only ones that have no sin or serious flaw mentioned, though we know that they were sinners. The life of Joseph is worthy of respect, and he is a good example for us to follow because in a number of situations, he hung in there. He not only survived the ups and downs of life, he thrived in the midst of some really tough things. And so we thought as uh, we go through some really tough things in our society right now, it'd be good to talk about him. He didn't quit. He remained faithful to God. He uh, was hated and betrayed, but he didn't retaliate. He was tempted sexually, but he remained pure. He was forgotten and treated unfairly, and he didn't become bitter. He gained wealth and fame and success, but he didn't abuse or become corrupt because of his success. He was taken from his home and from his culture, but he didn't compromise. And when faced with death, he didn't fear. Joseph serves as an inspiration to us in a world that gives up, in a world that quits, because he didn't. The fact is, we quit too early and too often. When things don't go our way, or our feelings get hurt, or we get bored or discouraged, we just throw in the towel. And I pray that these seven messages will help us gain some skill and some insight on how to survive and thrive in many situations as we stay faithful to God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word, to uh, use as an example a person in the Old Testament who survived and thrived through many difficult things and different things. And Father, as we go through a strange time here in our uh, lifetime, we ask that you will help us to use your word and your insight so that we might not just survive this, but that we might thrive spiritually through it. And we will give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. A census taker knocks on the door of a rundown shack in the mountains, and a girl of about 13 answers the door. And the census taker says, Is your dad home? And the little girl says, Nope, he's been in prison for two years. And 
So the census taker says, is your mom home? And the girl says, no, she ran off with some guy. And the census taker said, do you have a sister? And the little girl said, my sister's in rehab. And the census taker said, do you have a brother? And the little girl said, yes, he's at Harvard. And the census taker said, oh, that's good. What's he studying? And the little girl said, he ain't studying nothing. They're studying him. Now, the fact is, none of our families are perfect. So we are all in an imperfect family. But some are worse than others. Some are really unsafe, really hurtful places. Somewhere along the line, uh, the counselors uh, coined the phrase dysfunctional families, which is a family that's not functioning as God intended or is not functioning, functioning, functioning well. A family might be dysfunctional for many reasons, drug or alcohol addiction or anger issues and abusiveness or ongoing illness or uh, whether that's physical or mental. A workaholic family member grieving a death or dealing with divorce or many other reasons might cause a family to be dysfunctional. Our family was dysfunctional. Uh, We were dysfunctional during the years that we were dealing with our daughter's chronic illness and then we stayed dysfunctional after her death while grieving her loss. You might be part of a dysfunctional family or relationship right now. And if you are, I want you to hear something very clearly today. There is hope. There is hope. You can survive and thrive while dealing with your family situation. Whether you feel like you need to stay in it or remove yourself from it, you can survive and thrive with Jesus' help. Joseph endured a dysfunctional family situation and he managed to remain a godly person. Today as we begin to look at his life, let's use his example to help us find hope and encouragement as we try to figure out how to survive and thrive in an imperfect family. And some of you need hope today because you're really discouraged. I mean, you have tried so hard to figure out how to make things better and they just seem to get worse. And your family situation feels kind of hopeless right now. This message and this series won't fix all of the problems that you're struggling with, but hopefully it will give some hope and some encouragement that will make you feel like you can try again and eventually figure out how to not just survive, but to thrive within whatever level of imperfect family we find ourselves living in. Let's start by reading Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 4. It says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father uh, had lived as a foreigner. This is an account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked uh, for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, 
Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. It's clear from these verses that Joseph's blended family had some major issues, just like many of our homes have issues. But uh, the message of his story is even with an imperfect family, it's possible to not just survive, but to thrive. Let me point out a few areas from his family that you might relate to. First, you can survive and thrive in spite of a history of hurt. This part is not really clear from the verses that we just read, but let's look for a minute at the history of Joseph's family. Basically, Joseph's father, Jacob, who was later called Israel, was a very self-centered and deceitful man. Genesis 25 tells the story of how Jacob convinced his brother Esau to give him the rights of the firstborn for a bowl of stew. Genesis 27 records how Jacob and his mother deceived Isaac, Jacob's father, into giving the deathbed blessing to Jacob instead of Esau. Basically, Jacob pretended to be Esau by covering his arms with animal skin to make them feel hairy, and his blind father blessed him instead of Esau. As a result, Jacob had to run away from uh, the area so his twin brother wouldn't kill him. And so he runs to live with his uncle Laban. And it is there that he meets Rachel. Laban had two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And Rachel was very pretty. Genesis 29 tells us Rachel was shapely and in every way a beauty. But do you know what it says about Leah? She had weak eyes. That's right, Leah had weak eyes. Now what does that mean? Well, in a culture where women stayed pretty covered up except for their eyes, basically it means that she was ugly. That's the implication of scripture. So Jacob falls in love with Rachel, the beautiful daughter of Laban, and he apparently doesn't have the money for the dowry that he needs. And so he makes a deal with Laban to work seven years if Laban will let him marry Rachel. Genesis 29 verse 20 is a very romantic verse. It says this, so Jacob worked for Laban seven years so he could marry Rachel but they seemed like just a few days to him because he loved Rachel very much. Ah, they seemed like just a few days to him. At the end of seven years, Jacob says, we had a deal, give me Rachel. And a wedding is planned, and it's planned at night as was the custom. And there was a heavy veil over the bride's face. And Laban tricked Jacob and traded Leah for Rachel. I, I love this part of verse 25. The first part says this, when morning came, there was Leah. Now, Jacob woke up the next morning after his wedding night and he thought, you know, mom always said that they look different without their makeup. But then he realized this wasn't Rachel this was old weak eyes. The deceiver 
had been deceived. And then Jacob had to work another seven years to marry Rachel. Now you might be thinking, well, that's all interesting history, but what does it have to do with Joseph? Well, the history of dishonesty in his family would affect and impact the life of Joseph also. Let me say something to all who are listening, but especially to the younger people. Some of you think that you will be able to just erase and ignore the things that you're doing right now. That you'll just be able to erase and ignore them. You think, I'm young. You think the actions that you have now will have no bad effect on your family or your future. You think that you can basically ignore and cancel the consequences of sins that you commit between 15 years old and 30 years old. But many of us who are older would tell you that just isn't true. It just isn't true. The consequences and effects of those sins can haunt you for years to come. And that's what scripture says. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 6. Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. Have you thought about the fact that what you're doing now may affect your family and may affect your future. So Joseph grew up in this dishonest and dysfunctional family with a lot of hurt. To top it off, his mom dies when he's just 12 years old. Now, if a psychologist today was treating someone with this family history, they would say that Joseph had every right to be rebellious, to give up, to be bitter. He could have become like his family, but he didn't. Instead, he figured out how to thrive in the midst of this. And that teaches us that even if our family history isn't great, we can survive and thrive. While the dysfunction in your family probably didn't start with you, with Jesus' help, it can end with you. The hurt can end with you. Uh, We are not doomed to continue the cycle of dysfunction. We can have a different life. We can have a different future. We can survive and thrive in spite of a hurtful family history. Secondly, you can survive and thrive in spite of a history of conflict. A history of conflict. Joseph didn't grow up in a happy and peaceful home. Rachel and Leah were very jealous of each other, partially as a result of their father deceiving Jacob into marrying Leah first, but also because of something else. You see, Rachel had the beauty, but Leah had the babies. Leah had four children, and Rachel had none. And So Rachel comes up with a plan. You find that plan in Genesis chapter 30, verse 3. It says, then Rachel said, you can have my maid Bilhah sleep with her, and she will have a child for me, that I can be a mother through her. So So Jacob, being an obedient husband, did what Rachel asked. And that resulted in two sons. But Leah, not to be outdone, also asks Jacob to sleep with her servant. Jacob was a busy man, and two more sons are born. 
Then Leah has two more sons and a daughter. So Jacob has 10 sons and one daughter from three different women, but no children from his favorite wife, Rachel. And then finally, years later, Rachel conceives and she gives birth to Joseph and then later on to Benjamin. And these moms absolutely hated each other. And the passage makes it clear that the hate didn't stop with the parents. Joseph's brothers hated him. This was a home full of conflict and full of hate. And there's a point here for parents. If you let anger and hate grow in your heart, you will end up teaching your children to be angry, hateful, and bitter people. Your hate will spread to the next generation. Many homes today are filled with anger. Many homes are filled with conflict, broken relationships, hate-filled marriages, siblings that hate each other. And this is true in some homes of people who are followers of Christ and also in homes of people who don't follow him. Part of the lesson of the life of Joseph is that it is possible to survive and to thrive even if you grew up in a home filled with conflict and hate. For the home to be uh, healed, all parties have to submit to Jesus and work to use his attitude and love each other like Jesus loves us. Even when everyone in the family is working to follow Jesus and trying to use uh, his attitudes, it isn't easy to heal conflict in a home. But now what if someone in the home won't submit to Jesus and won't strive to use his attitudes and won't love others like Jesus loved us? In that situation, it's still possible to survive spiritually. We'll find that from the life of Joseph that it is possible. You can overcome hurt and hate and conflict. You can still be faithful to Jesus in your attitude and in your heart. Joseph teaches us that it's possible to survive and thrive even surrounded by hate and conflict in your family. Lastly, notice you can survive and thrive in spite of a history of favoritism. A history of favoritism. Look again at verses 3 and 4 that we read earlier. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Joseph was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. Jacob showed his favoritism, and this contributed to the dysfunction within the home. He gave Joseph a beautiful robe or a beautiful coat. Often we talk about this coat of many colors, but in truth it was probably a light-colored robe or a light-colored coat uh, with rich embroidery. But either way, it communicated the same message. It indicated that he was the favorite that he was the special one, that he wasn't expected to work. And it also communicated that the birthright or major share of the inheritance would go to him. Maybe you understand how Joseph's brothers felt. You feel that your parents played favorites. And that's easy for parents to do. 
As parents, if we're honest, we would have to admit that we don't treat our children exactly the same. Most of us learn the uniqueness of each child and uh, we adjust to that without playing favorites, giving each of them what their personality needs. Still, some of you had parents who did play favorites and you were not the favorite. And that hurt, didn't it? But even in that situation, it's possible for you to survive and thrive and to stay faithful to God. But others are quietly thinking, I was the favorite. I was the favorite. And you know that that wasn't easy either. I mean, it's hard to have the jealousy from your siblings. It's hard also to overcome some of the problems that come later from being spoiled by your parents. I mean, many spoiled kids used to getting their way at home have entered marriages and the workplaces expecting the same treatment and they have a rude awakening. They've always been someone's favorite and then real life strikes and it's hard for them to adjust. It's hard for them to handle that. And if you were or are the favorite, if you have or had a blessed life, enjoy it. And learn to be faithful to God in the midst of it. But also, be wise. Be wise. Joseph wasn't. He wasn't wise. Look at what happens next. It's a long passage. I'll read it to you from uh, Genesis 37. Start with verse 5. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed down before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and uh, seven, uh, 11 stars bound low before me. This time, uh, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph... His father wondered what the dreams meant. Joseph was naive. He was naive. He emphasized his favored position by telling about his dreams. And he didn't just accept this special gift, this special coat. He wore it. He wore it a lot. In fact, we will see in our message next week that he even wore it on a trip when he was going to check on his brother's. Now, if you have had privilege uh, in your family and you are the favorite in your family, if you have privileges that others don't have, try not to flaunt them. Try not to flaunt them. So, Joseph dealt with a history of hurt and a history of conflict, and a history of favoritism. And he still managed to survive and thrive in the midst of it. And we'll gain more insight into how uh, uh, he did this as we see the rest of the story play out. But some of you are really hurting right now. I mean, your family has hurt you in ways that most people 
can't even imagine. And it's incredible that some of our deepest hurts have come from the people who we love the most, the people who claim to love us. And the truth is, we give those closest to us the power to hurt us deeply. And maybe you're struggling with uh, an abusive past or maybe even ongoing abuse. Maybe you're seeing the results today of sins that were committed years ago. I wish I could tell you that there's easy answers for these hurts. The truth is, there aren't any easy answers. There were no easy answers for Joseph, and there aren't any easy answers for us today either. In Joseph's situation, he trusted God. And he trusted God, and then things didn't get any better. In fact, they got worse. But he still trusted God, and he followed him fully, and he didn't quit. And he just kept following God. And you know what? I can do that. I can do that. I, I can keep trusting and following Jesus. I can stay faithful to him no matter how hard it gets during this pandemic or uh, during other situations in my life. Just like Joseph, I can keep finding my help and my strength in God, trusting that he will help me to overcome the hurt and the pain as I trust him, as I stay true to him. I can do that. Not only can I do that, but you can do that. You can do that. You can find help and strength in God as you trust him to help you as you stay faithful to him. And if you're hurting today, I want you to know we care. We care. We want to help you. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to counsel with you. You can email us. You can call us. My email address is steve at impactpittsburgh.com. Email me or email the church office or click on the link if you're watching online uh, so that we can help you. Just know you don't have to survive and thrive this alone, in, in this alone. You don't have to survive it alone. We are here to pray with you, to encourage you, to help you uh, so that you can thrive, so that you can learn to trust Jesus more as he helps you through these difficult times. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, there are some listening to this that are just really hurting. Their family has become a very painful place for them. Father, I pray that you will give them the strength to follow you fully, the strength to uh, try one more time to uh, listen to you, to let your wisdom help them through this. Father, there are others who are in a painful family situation because of the mistakes they made in the past, and now uh, they don't know how to uh, regain their family situation or how to uh, apologize. And Father, I pray that you will give them wisdom also. Father, we thank you that through Scripture you give us examples of people who have lived where we're living, who have gone through what we're going through. And Father, we pray as we uh, go through this study of Joseph that we might be able to learn to survive and thrive in an imperfect family and in all of the other areas that we'll be talking about as we go through this journey. And Father, we will give you the glory as we seek to follow you fully. In Jesus' name, amen.